Hey everyone, welcome back to But Why Though, the podcast, where we talk about the things in pop culture that people say matter, and we ask the question, but why though? Before we get started, we wanted to let you guys know that at the end of the month of August, we will be leaving SoundCloud, but you can still find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, and YouTube, as well as a lot of your other podcasting apps. But if you have any concerns, feel free to email us at info at butwhythopodcast.com. Enjoy the show. This week, we're talking about a show that has been blessed by the old gods and the new. We're talking about Game of Thrones, guys. And as always, I'm your host, Kate, and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. And as always, we're going to get started with a few questions. First, what's your involvement with Game of Thrones? Did you read the books first? And do you have a favorite character or house? Matt, you go first. First, I want to say I'm still having sinus problems, so I'm sorry for the sniffling and every, everything else. Can I call you Snuffleupagus? No, you cannot. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as Game of Thrones, um, involvement, I have none. I knew there were books. They're probably in a library, and that's about They're it. They're probably in the other room on the bookshelf. Oh, well, I did not actually know we own these yes. books, so apparently <laughs> we do own these. And unfortunately, I do not have a favorite character or house, but I want to say if I did have a favorite character, it would have to be Dinglebot. <laughs> or Peter Dinklage, only because the Destiny, yes, only because of the Destiny reference. But basically, this episode, I want to see if you two, excited and thrilled as you are, be able to convince me or tell me why this is worth watching. I'm gonna pick it up from there. Um, so I love Game of Thrones. I've read. I haven't read all the books. I've read most of the books. Um, but I left Game of Thrones right after season five, episode six, and I did not watch a single episode after that. However, in preparation for this episode, I binge watched all of season five again, and all of season six, and the first episode of season seven, and I can say I have, I am effectively hyped. Very, very hyped to talk about it right now, and I have a lot of feelings, and I don't know how to process them, because so much happened in season six, and it's probably the best one. So that's my involvement with it, and the books, and my favorite character... My favorite character who I respect is actually Cersei. I hate her, but I love the way she's played. I love the way she's written, and I like that everything she does has a reason, and she's very logical and methodical, and I really, really love that. But just on sheer badassness, I would have to go with Daenerys as my favorite. Actually, like, Daenerys or Arya. I have a hard time with my favorite characters, guys. They're so, like, <laughs> it's hard for me. They're so good. Jon Snow is also pretty good. And so is da, uh, Sir, Sir, Sir Davros. And Davos. so is okay, okay. Jorah. I'm going to, because they're all... <laughs> that, that's like, okay, that's my favorite thing about the show. The characters are really well-written. Well so to choose a favorite is really hard. So And then my house would have to probably be House Martell, just because of their house words, and I like what it stands for. Granted, the Dorn storyline was not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're not alone. Most people yeah. didn't like this. So it's okay. What about you, Adrian? Uh, uh, for me, uh, I started watching Game of Thrones like season two was when I picked it up. So like I binge watched the first season. I'm like, this, I think this is pretty true for most people. I don't think most people have been watching from the beginning. I think they picked it up when the hype really got really got going. Uh, so yeah, I picked it up from season two. 
and just been watching every season since then. Uh, I don't like reading stuff first, really, and then watching it because I don't, I, I don't know, I just don't want stuff to be ruined for me like while I'm watching it. I rather like read later and get more background and then appreciate it more later. That's kind of how I've always been. So I've read all the books, but I did it after I watched most of the show because at this point, the books, the show is pretty much past the books now. So going back and reading it gives you a little bit more uh, background on some of the characters and stuff. And you kind of see, cause I don't want to be one of those like snobby book readers, not that book readers are snobby, but you know, like, Oh, I knew that was going to happen. And I, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. So uh, favorite character. I, I got to rock with Jon Snow, man. Jon Snow's my homie from day one. He's, he's my day one. I've always loved Jon Snow. I love, I've loved his character arc. Ghost is the best dire wolf. I was about to say, can I change my favorite character to the to the wolves? They're all, like, <laughs> insanely sad every time like one of them goes. Yeah, ghost ghost is the best. The uh and I like the Starks, man. Like they're you know, they're the North remembers, man. I I'll never forget season one Starks. Like no matter how good all these other houses are or how bad they are, I'm still rocking with uh the Starks all the way. So interesting question, Sartis. You said you watched it ever since. Are you one of the people that watch it later and binge it, or do you actually watch it every weekly? No, I'm week to week. I'm always a week to week guy, um, unless it's like a Netflix show and it just like all goes there already. <laughs> um, just because I like the conversation that happens after each episode, like whether it be on social media or like on Reddit or whatever, I like to talk right after the shows happen. So I'm a, I'm a week to week guy. Like we have watch parties sometimes that's what i was about to say like i've never done a watch party for anything but game of thrones yeah there was a watch party every sunday night um and it was awesome like we actually we made like direwolf bread and stuff like Mm -hmm. that like it was super fun uh you all have probably if you listen to the show i binge everything i can or if you follow me on twitter i'm constantly binging shows and i like to sit down for six seasons but that this is the one show that in the past i watched week to week and yeah, i've never I like done it. that before yeah i like it because no matter who you're watching with everybody has different feels like yeah. a lot of shows are pretty you know binary like you follow the good guys and if you don't like the good guys you're kind of a jerk but like this just has so many different storylines that people can like be more excited for other things and i think being around people who are excited for like the sand snakes makes me like oh, okay Sand snakes are okay. Like I, I see your point and why you like them and stuff, which is like how it worked when I was watching, you know, that season. Uh, so yeah, I, I love watch parties for Game of Thrones. Um, definitely not a binger, but yeah, it's super like- super bingeable though. I will say that. To start bingeable off, like sure. I said, I just binged two seasons of it. <laughs> yeah, so. like we we had friends who came over and watched. Their literally their first episode was the Mountain versus the Viper. Oh, it. Caused our friends to go and like one of our friends specifically, she binged all the seasons in, like in that week to watch it with us like that next Sunday That's because awesome. she was so hooked. So like it's a super bingeable show, and no matter where you pick it up, you're gonna be like, oh, what is this? So yeah, I also think too like I think the reason it's both bingeable and you can watch and you have such a great conversation about it is all due to the depths of the characters and the fact that a lot of these characters, when they make their choices, you get the ramifications, you get them going through those ramifications. And not only that, you get to see their thought process behind making those choices. I would yeah. say that like, there are obviously some pitfalls in it. Like you can't be a hundred percent on the game all the time, but I would say for like 90 
95% of the time, like you get to get a full thought process behind why somebody did something. So saying all that, how about we get into... Oh, yeah. So <laughs> actually into some so, actual history uh, of Game of Thrones. I'm yeah. going to hand the... I guess my the throne. Can you say throne? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, I'm gonna hand my throne. Yes. Adrian. Da, 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 da. I love the intro. <laughs> I need an um, intro so, yeah. song going yeah. into this. Here? It will be okay. There. Good. All right. It sounds good. It, I uh, really so, thought that through. Yeah. So Adrian's <laughs> sitting on the Iron Throne today. Uh, go for it. Yeah. So we're gonna do. I'm gonna do a super quick history because we usually go a little bit long on history just because there's a, usually the topics we talk about are pretty, you know, lengthy dating back until, you know, the nineties and the eighties and stuff. So I don't want to spend too much on the history because one, either, you know, that this is based on books or you're an avid watcher of the show and you know what happened. So I don't want to bore you guys too much with that. And that being said as well, I'm going to try to keep it spoiler light for people like Matt who've never seen it. I want to get you excited to watch it. But we are going to talk about some stuff that happens. I mean, the show's been out since 2011, so there will be some spoilers in it. But it's not going to be – we're not going to talk about all seven seasons and tell you everything that happened. So Game of Thrones, the TV show, is what we're going to be focusing on mainly here in the podcast today. It is an American fantasy drama television series created by David Benoff and – Benoff. Deep ben Benoff. Benoff? You know what I said? Yeah. Benoff? Benoff. Ah. DB and DB really Weiss. Weird. Yeah, I, I've both I've heard both these names pronounced really weird. Uh, but basically, it's an adaptation of a song of ice and fire, which is a fantasy novel series by the great George R. R. Martin. And it basically follows the show. Basically, follows all of the books that he's written, and they work really closely with him for the start of it. So, as far as like book adaptations go, it's pretty good to the story. There are some hiccups here and there, so that happens. But I think the stuff that they do change catches book readers off guard in a good way. Um, so the premise of the series is that it's set in the fictional Seven Kingdoms of Westeros and the continent of Essos. Uh, the series chronicles the violent dynastic struggles among the realm's noble families for the Iron Throne while other families fight for independence from it. So everyone wants, it's about the thrones. It's literally called the Game of Thrones because if someone- If you play it, you either, you live or you die. Yeah, and you're either in it or you're not. Uh, and it really takes place, you have all of these families vying for the Iron Throne or just independence from the tyranny that's been going on. So there's rebellions and there's like a millennia of history that's thrown into the show. And you kind of gravitate towards certain houses depending on your preferences. Lots of intrigue. And it's all set in like a medieval period. Um, but a lot of like the stuff that happens in it is is realism. I, I think like the term is like medieval realism for the show. But you also get a little bit of magic. You get dragons. You get mammoths. You get undead giants. things. Yeah, giants. <laughs> Shout out 1-1. One, one. Uh, so you, it's a lot set in this medieval realm. How much is uh, the magic and dragons actually involved? Obviously, you've seen everybody's um, promos and stuff with the dragons. We know it's kind of a big yeah, thing. So but as far as it, the magic part, I wasn't Yeah, sure. yeah. So in the beginning of the show, not much at all, really. It's more about the Game of Thrones. But you have, like, these overarching prophecies and stuff. And there is definitely magic stuff north of the wall of of this big you know of this world and people who are further south don't really believe in any of it because they haven't seen it in so long 
but the whole winter is coming thing is because magical stuff is coming over the wall yeah. and everyone's going to experience the magic stuff here pretty soon. Yeah. Cause like North of the wall would pretty much be like, I'm going to Canada. Uh, no, not Canada. <laughs> magic Canada. <laughs> it's magic Canada. North of the yeah, yes. Uh, the Night's Watch is protecting Westeros from magic Canadians. Yeah, oh exactly. Yeah. Uh, but no, it, it's essentially like think of like an old like Druid, Celtic, like Earth-based people who aren't considered a part of everything else. Like they've lived yeah. amongst themselves, so they're very connected to the earth and very connected to what's around them. And there's definitely magic where they live, but you see where there's a lot of doubt in the old gods, in the new gods, in magic of it, in magic itself. And so yeah. what happens like with any political show, as things start getting bigger, religions and prophecies start getting more and more involved. And within that, you get a lot of the magical elements that yeah. happen. Ba- um, yeah. Basically like the people South who are like all, fancy and high and mighty don't know anything about the magic stuff because the magic stuff isn't that far in depth in their culture. But if you're North, if you're out, out in Essos and you're like familiar with the many face gods and the many face God and like um, the Lord of light and stuff, then you're much more apt to believe in like magic and stuff. So yeah. uh, it's beca- becoming to play more of a role now. Are there any wizards? So I am a fan of wizards. Uh, yeah. If they're wizards. I mean, awesome. there's wizards, there's maesters, there's priestesses. Which actually, fun fact, Necro- ma- oh, sorry. No, I was like, a fun fact, maester, it was actually a term in medieval times for a, a well-learned religious person. Yeah. Necromancers? Yeah. Basically. Cool. There's, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're like, they're like, they're like, like, yeah, they're, they're like sprite type creatures that have powers to do things. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. The Lords of Light your- literally bring people back to life like over and over again. So yeah, be, it's... It's there. You'll you'll get some wizards in there for you, Matt. You're a wizard, Matt. I know. <laughs> I have pictures to prove this. So are you are you on board with the premise of the show? Can can I proceed? Oh, you Matt? keep proceeding. Sounds good. <laughs> so the show itself was released in uh, April eleventh in two thousand eleven, and we are currently on the seventh season. By the time this comes out, we'll be just about halfway. There's only seven episodes in the seventh season. And there's one more season after this, and then that is it for the show Game of Thrones. There so, are some spinoffs planned, but it's not going to have the same writers and stuff, so we really don't know what they're doing with that really yet. So is it going to be a 7A, 7B type thing, or is it going to be a 7-8? I think it's just going to be 7-8, but I guess you can look at it as 7A, 7B, because okay. it's like, I think like the next episode or the next season has six episodes in it or something like that so the standard has been 10 episodes for every yeah and this one has seven so okay what we're what people are hoping you're doing and it's kind of doing it so far is it's cutting out some of the filler which is just evident in any you know hbo show um and just putting really yeah and then just like funneling all of their massive amounts of money that they're able to dump into cgi and stuff so uh it should be action-packed what last 13 episodes if you haven't seen season seven yet so the way that the books go in translation to the show, just real quick for people who aren't familiar with like, well, if, if I want to go read the books, like where, where do I start and stuff? So season one is just about the first book, Game of Thrones. Season two has is about a clash of kings and early parts of A Storm of Swords. Season three is mostly, it's like about like two thirds about A Storm of Swords. Season four is the last third of Storm of Swords with a few parts of A Feast for a Crow and A Dance with Dragons. 
Season five is A Feast for Crows, A Dance with Dragons, and some of the newest book that he's working on, The Winds of Winter. And season six is original content from the writers of the show mixed with The Winds of Winter, A Feast of Crows, and Dance with Dragons. And then season seven now is original content with Winds of Winter and the next book after that, which is A Dream of Springs, which haven't been released yet. So this season right now, there's stuff that hasn't happened in the books that is probably going to happen in the show. But for the most part, everyone's kind of like up in the air. The only one who really knows is probably the writers and George R.R. R. Martin. Everybody else is kind of like on a level playing field as it sits right now. I mean, and I also think too, like what, I mean, I think it's a great adaptation from what I've read, but I also think it's different enough to be its own unique thing. Definitely, for sure. missing, because obviously mm-hmm. the show versus a, it's like a dang, like Bible-sized book. Yeah. When yeah, you, yeah, and all of them are. So it's a lot yeah. of information to actually translate into a show. Um, so there's a lot missing, but then there's also a lot that gets made just for the show to fill in those gaps. It doesn't go either mm-hmm. way. So like you would definitely benefit from reading the books to learn more about like your favorite characters, but like it's totally cool to just choose what are the others. Yeah. As well. yeah, most I mean most people I know who love the show and a lot of the fan, but why those that we got that we're talking about at the end, none of those people most of those people aren't book readers. They just really, really love the show. Yeah. And I'm sure if they went back and read the books, or if you went and listened to the books on audiobooks, the, the narrator for the audiobooks is really, really good. Uh, you'll get a better appreciation for the show. At least I did when I went back and did it. Uh, for the reception, like I said before, in terms of like HBO TV shows or like big TV shows, like this wasn't an instant hit by any means. Um, so season one, they averaged 2.5 million viewers. And by the end of season six, they were averaging 7.69 million viewers, which is a huge, huge jump across, uh, what, six seasons. And then a few of the episodes in season six are rated as some of, like, the best episodes ever. Specifically, Battle of the Bastards is just amazing. And then you have the season seven premiere that happened uh, uh, three weeks ago by the time this releases. Averaged 10 million viewers over cable alone and then another 6 million with streaming service with their HBO streaming services like HBO Go and HBO Now. So a total of 16 million people watched that premiere through those services. And that's like like football numbers in terms of how many people were watching it at that time. And unfortunately, HBO Now isn't available all over the world. So people, like countries like Canada. So if you don't have HBO, you don't have access to HBO Now. So the only other thing you can do is pirate it. <laughs> and the season premiere was pirated over 90 million times. Like it had 90 million views worth uh, pirated views, which is insane. Like that is a lot of people pirating one episode of a show. It's, Overall, it's, doesn't it have like the highest numbers for pirated? Yeah, content? yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't look into them for this, but it's definitely the one of the most, if not the most, pirated show ever. So it's also just become like a really big cultural touchstone. Yeah, like, definitely. It's it's widely popular. Like out of control. From two from two point two and a half million viewers in your first season to ten million. Uh, I think the last episode, season two, by while we're recording this episode, I think had nine point seven million or so. So even the drop off hasn't even been that bad for people who like to wait a little bit to watch the show. So So during these first six seasons with these numbers, is the tour I guess the pirating views and torrent stuff, those are extremely high as well, correct? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty high all around. Oh, pirating this day. <laughs> Find it fascinating. <laughs> yeah, some of it is just people not having cable anymore. And then a lot yeah. of it is yeah. just 
not having access to HBO now. Like if you're in Canada and you don't have HBO now and you don't want to pay for cable, what other option do you have other than torrenting it on, online? I I wanted to do a Game of Thrones episode. Adrian's been pushing for Game Game of Thrones episodes since like the podcast started. Um yeah. and I know it's important, but I was kind of really put off of this show after season five. And I was like, I'm never gonna go out back and watch it. And then it was like uh, I think the announcement like a week ago came out that HBO is partnering with Hulu and you can add HBO now into your Hulu package. And then I was like, oh, a free month. I'm going to watch all of it. And I watched all of it all because it was available mm-hmm. on the streaming service. Yeah, I know there are plenty month. of people that do that. They literally just buy HBO now for or use either the free month or buy it for like a month or two and binge every single thing they can and then cancel it. Yep. Wait, While you're watching it, I don't, I don't care how people watch it. As long as they're watching it and they're in, the, in on the conversation. Because we're going to talk about, for the next like 40, 45 minutes that we have, just about the importance, like what's great about the show itself. And hopefully we can talk about like the cultural, we'll talk about the cultural significance of the show, obviously. But hopefully um, we can start some good conversation about, you know, why you should be watching it. And then just why people still watch it. Like why 10 million people watch it on HBO day one for yeah. season seven premiere. Well, let's get into those, but why those then? Sounds good. Matt, before we get any started, do you have any burning questions or do you want to just go as we I'm go along? along with the flow here. Sounds good. Okay, so rolling my... With the flow. <laughs> Are you making fun of my wordage? So this is, my, this is my favorite show on TV like right now and definitely one of my favorite shows like ever. And I think one of the reasons why it's so great outside of it just having stuff that I like, like fantasy and dragons and stuff, is I really do think it takes the best parts of some of the biggest TV shows that are out right now and incorporates them into the show itself. So when people ask me, like, oh, would I like Game of Thrones? And I, and I ask them a series of questions like, do you like House of Cards? Do you like Vikings? Do you like The Walking Dead? Do you like Supernatural? And if they say yes to any of those, there's probably elements of this show that they care about. So, like, if you like political drama and you don't care about like violence and stuff, like there's there's that in there. The show is called Game of Thrones because it's a game for the throne. So you have political intrigue, uh, posturing, backstabbing. You know, people good at the game, people terrible at the game, people who who think are definitely going to win at the game who don't win at the game. So it's definitely a political show. I think at its core, a political show, and all the other stuff is extra. Um, so if you like Vikings or like Black Sails. Um, Outlander. Outlander, yeah, shows like Which that. Actually, like these shows, didn't all these come out like after the success of Game of Thrones? I think so. I think Outlander was. I think my parents watched Outlander because of Game of Thrones. So like, yeah. there's there's definitely a connection there. You have like the medieval kind of sword and board era. You have castles. You have primitive people, and you have everything that comes with it. Um, the Walking Dead to to the extent of that, there's like actual Walking Dead in the show. <laughs> but you also have like the the high the high stakesness is that a word high stakesness yeah. of the high stakes the high stakes of Walking Dead where like your favorite characters can basically die at any point which is like I guess isn't super true anymore there's a lot of plot armor in The Walking Dead now but like all through Game of Thrones like if you like someone don't get too attached because they can definitely die Think at like- any point. Rewatching it, I realized that it's has still stuck with me because every time somebody was talking with an open background, I was expecting somebody like come up and cut off their head or like an arrow to come yeah. out of nowhere. Because I'm like, everybody, like, I can't, I can't grow attached. And then I grow attached and then I cry. And that's just, 
That's what happens. Yeah. Did they turn yeah. into the Walking Dead where they started doing the whole like we need to leave everything on suspense for each episode and no. season at all? No, not really. I mean, mm -hmm. like it's not suspense where you're like, oh, well, why didn't you just show me who died? It's more like, hey, this is what's going to happen next season. Yeah. Like, okay. Here are the like dragons. It, Let's go. Yeah. Like of, they have stop. hard stops. Like they do really good of like yeah. building you up to a climax and then stopping. Like they, they have, you have what, so like you have what happens. It puts a nice cap on the stories that you learned, but it sets up everything for the next season, but not in like the annoying where they're like, messing around with you every episode. Yeah, they have pretty solid season finales, I would say. Oh, they have uh, really great season Because, I mean, it, at, least, at least in my opinion, like, episode 9 or 8 is kind of like the big yeah. kind of climax, and then episode 10 is usually like, Build hey, this is what like we're going to be doing season. next season, so we're not going to, like, in a cliffhanger you too much, because you kind of already got the cliffhangers in the episodes before that. They take great care in, like, crafting the seasons to tell this all these stories in one thing, which can be really hard because your some episodes your favorite character won't pop up. They got to make sure you're still yeah. pulled in. Um, one thing that I realized, and which is why I'm really happy I came back and watched it, was I'm thinking step because I, I finally fin finished season six is stepping away. If I look at it as a whole, it's pretty much that thing. Like it's pretty much the exact same ebb and flow of the of a season, but set up over the entire series arc which yeah. I'm, I'm pretty surprised by, and it makes some of the stuff that I didn't like more bearable now because, like, I see how it fits into the larger picture of what the show is planning out to be, which shows a lot of forethought and really great writing. Yeah, and I think that kind of goes to my next point about how it's kind of like The Walking Dead is that it's a successful adaptation of written material. Like, even though, like, this isn't its own property, it does it so well that it gives homage to the, the series that George R.R. R. Martin created but like you said earlier, Kate, like it's on its own, it's on its own plane. And that's a, uh, a great thing if you like to read stuff and then go watch it like people do with The Walking Dead. And this last one I threw in there because I know Kate likes Supernatural. I don't uh, like Supernatural. Well, love Kate loves Supernatural. Supernatural. Is you have like there's this whole magic and religion and beasts and all this other stuff. And family. Family. And, and family. Yeah. Uh, that you get in Supernatural. So if you like, if you're a fan of Supernatural, you're probably a fan of Game of Thrones. Like I, one of my friends, her favorite shows are Supernatural and Game of Thrones. I think for like a lot of like the same reasons. So you do yeah. have a lot of that. Matt, do you like any of those shows? <laughs> when I read this list, I kind of start to laugh because I've seen maybe the first about three seasons of Supernatural, and then I've watched in maybe five episodes of House of Cards, and that is it for all four of those shows. You're slacking your uh, yeah. anomaly it's in twitch. pop culture which i could probably blame twitch i was never i'm not a fan of zombies so i don't really care about walking dead per se and then kind of what they've done i don't really care with the whole like everything's so dramatic cliffhanger type thing supernatural i actually enjoyed when i watch it i just kind of time life yeah <laughs> you're still behind yeah, on yeah. and then <laughs> we're not gonna started on that yeah <laughs> we, we will catch up eventually House of Cards didn't seem too bad, but I'm just not a big person into political dramas. I've just yeah. never really cared about the political dramas. Yeah, so. I think what they do well here is that they balance a lot of that. So I would say, like, I like they make like every political motive you see everything that, or every political move you see all the fallout from that happen. So you see everything that's associated with it. So it's not just just politics. It's how does this work into a larger story? How does this work into people attacking each other? How does this yeah. go into assassination? How does this go into like why this person's running? Like 
it, it's a lot deeper than just politics, but the politics are a really great part of it too. Um, yeah, because you don't know who, and this kind of goes into the next but why though, is that the storytelling and the characters in the show are just like amazing. Um, a lot of this is due to just the characters that George R. R. Martin thought of in his own head, basically, and like the forethought he does through the books. But it's, I think it's another thing to bring that to life in a, you know, 10 season TV show. Cause it could be really easy to take like George R. R. Martin's books, like verbatim and like do the whole story, you know, one, two, three, four, five, and it just be like really bogged down with just background story that you don't care about and stuff. And I think the showrunners do a great job of cutting some of that stuff out and like giving uh, people who are involved in the show, like you're in charge of writing, like, you know, Arya's character, you're in charge yeah. of like doing and, and this stuff. So they do it in a way that it really, I think it brings out the best parts of the books without having to do all of like the boring history stuff that George R. R. Martin goes into that you might not find interesting if you don't care about that kind of stuff. And I think it's really important to point out too, is like the characters are different, like in and of themselves, even if they, like they had to age the characters because a lot of what they do, they couldn't put on TV. Like the Stark yeah. children are really Stark children in the books. Daenerys yeah, no, like everybody is like is children like, in the books. Like a preteen in the books. Like, yeah. Like, like they are all at really young ages. Obviously, that that even HBO is not going to put that on there. Um, so, like the fact that they have to age the children, they also have to age their stories with them, but they still have to have it be reflective. Like that, that's a hard task. It's not mm -hmm. easy. Like you're not just copy and pasting it over. Like you actually have to think think out like how an 11 year old mind thinks about what is happening at this moment isn't going to be how this you know yeah. this 16 year old is now thinking about it or this 20 year old. So. That's like a really great, a great thing there. I think it's also cool because I mean, you see it all the time in these movies that people try to take like the book adaptation and turn it into a movie, and there's quite a few of them that actually fail. Yeah. And so the fact that this one not only <laughs> divergent, yeah, not only has this been successful, but it's been like an actual TV series, not just like a three-hour movie or something. Yeah. I, yeah. I honestly think that if you're going to adapt books into something, they should be television shows, just because there's a lot of information in books and putting them into a movie is i think it it is a disservice to the fans i mean movies are great yeah. i love them but i think we're at the stage where we get bingeable television so netflix go buy up all the book rights and give us like long ass seasons of so yeah and, and, and i think the success of it like they could have easily I mean i don't know how long they're gonna wait like they would wait but like they could have easily like if the show wasn't as popular they could have taken a break and waited for george r, r. martin to finish like winds of winter and and a dream of springs but they just kept going because the show was so popular and its popularity increases every season. So you're getting book readers to be okay with what's going on in the show, even if it's different from what's happening in the books, because book readers don't like stuff changed in their adaptations. Every at time all. we go watch something that's based off a book that I like to read the books before. Um, I'm kind of like, mm, that's different, but I'm also not the book reader. That's like, it's different. I'm not going to like it. I'm just more yeah. like, Hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know, comic book, readers novel That's readers <laughs> yeah so like uh if they if they change stuff and you don't like it you're like you're not gonna like the rest of it but they've done such a good job of ad adapting it that they're past the book part of the books and people are still tuning in to watch it yeah um another great thing about the storytelling is that they're really not afraid to like kill characters I think a lot of the times in a lot of the TV shows that we like, like things like an Arrowverse and, and things like that, you know, no one's going to kill Barry Allen. Like it's, it's, it's about Barry Allen, but this show will kill people you love and not care. They will kill the main character for the season. Yeah. George R. 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 Martin is a sick man. 
And <laughs> literally the person you're rooting for all season will probably die at the end of the season. It's it's a very strong possibility. And it's just it's intriguing that way. Like oh, and you, the best part is too, it's not like your villain isn't assured to die either. Yeah. And I think you don't know who's good. I think one of the you know, just to, to, to skip ahead just a little bit, like one of like the best things about this show and some of the fan, but why those kind of harken back to this is that you don't know who to root for some of the time. Like not everybody loves how Stark and like Stark's Matt for just for you is like, they're kind of like the noble, I, I can't remember like the chaotic good stuff, uh, like off the top of my head, but like they are like, yeah, like they're like the lawful good characters in the show. And some people don't like them because they do stuff that's too good and like they're stupid. Some people like uh, the Tyrells. Some people like the Lannisters, even though like the Lannisters are like the the bad guys of the well, show. Well, like I just said, like I totally get why people hate Cersei, but yeah. I also know I, that like I like her as a character and I respect yeah, the hell I, out of her because I know she a lot of people who like her. Cool. Yeah, um, like I don't think there is. Well, maybe Ramsay. I think like Ramsay might be the only like yeah, no, really I think there's like, character. Yeah, I think like out of the show, I think there's like only two maybe three characters that you're like if you like them you're 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 kind of a you're kind of a jerk like joffrey ramsey and Walder Frey to some extent yeah. like if you like any of those characters you're probably not a good person but you know cersei even though all the bad stuff she does people still like cersei the high sparrow no matter all the bad stuff he does like people still like the high sparrow so like there's definitely dichotomies there that you don't really find like and to kind of harken back to like, like to the walking dead, like the walking dead, you follow like this group of characters and you're supposed to think everything that they do is right. And they are right all the time. And everybody else is bad. Yeah. But this show does a really good job of like people who you think are good might be kind of jerks and, and things like that. So, um, the way that they do the characters that way is really good. Yeah, that's when I was when I was kind of reading about trying to, you know, at least so I didn't come in here completely blind. And from what I've heard yeah, of the season is why <clears throat> it's almost like they make the you know, the not straight good guys versus not straight bad guys and the more complexity yeah. to each character to where you may be a good person, but you have to either make bad decisions or you feel you make a real, you know, I guess an unrational decision at some time. Yeah. yeah. Or you just keep making good decisions and everybody that you're with dies. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, it kind of it, it kind of makes you realize that morality isn't black and white and yeah, it's, like the it's, entire thing moves within gray and you have to you have to figure out where to go in that part um, it's, it's the realism aspect of the show like not everybody yeah. who does good is going to get seats of power and not everybody who's bad is going to get their comeuppance like sometimes like they just have the power and you have to kind of, and characters in the show have to deal with that um to move on to some stuff i know kate really wants to talk about and it's a little bit heavier for the show is that they're not they don't shy away from taboo things in the terms of like what a tv show was supposed to do um they did age the characters which is great because there are you know rape scenes with in george r, r. martin's book with characters who are like 13 yeah. mainly daenerys and stuff like that yeah and stuff so they did do that but they still aren't afraid to do you know things like rape and body mutilation and child death and things that are like progressive that maybe wouldn't be progressive like in that time period. Like if you think about like medieval times, you don't think about interracial couples, you don't think about same sex relationships, bisexual relationships. So they do a little bit of everything. Not all of it's good. Um, and I think Kate can attest to that. Um, but the, some of the stuff they, they do do is taboo. Ta taboo. Uh, <laughs> taboo is kind of progressive in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, I, I think, so I think on the interracial relationships things, I don't really think there's, too much of that 
Well, if you look at Dorn and like basically like anybody in yeah, SOS so yeah, so like stuff. the great thing that that's really cool, and I, Adrian and I had talked about this earlier in the day because I was I've been like messaging in the group in our in our group tag like, oh my god, this is happening on the show, I can't believe yeah. this. But the great thing is you have to explore a lot of these things like interracial relationships, same sex relationships, um, gender fluidity, all those types of things. You have it as being representative of different cultures of of yeah. the realm. Um, because and it's kind of really representative of what happens be, uh, in, I guess, in real life. In one place, something is accepted and in another place it's not. So like yeah. if you take Oberyn and Ilaria Martell, they're, uh, she's his paramour, not his wife. They're, um, uh, they have an open relationship. They, they're pansexual for the most part. Like they, they don't have, like they just see people as people with no gender assigned and they just love them and have sex with them. And in Dorne, that's perfectly fine. But when they come over to uh, to King's Landing, it's completely like you don't do that. Like this is not accepted here. And so the fact that they explore unless your brother and sister, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even yeah. like even like the Northerners and like the the Savage Wildlings, like John. Oh yeah, John gets it on with some wildlings, and like well, even that's too, not like, a thing that the people in the North give a shit about. Like they don't like that kind of stuff. Yeah, and and I think on top of that too, um, the wildling women fight right along the side the wildling yeah. men, and there's no differentiation. Like everybody learns to fight up there because obviously you kind of have to. What I really like about handling these types of things is it's always situated within the cultural context within the show. Um, what I don't like is there's a lot of sexual violence. There are a couple instances where it was just really badly done. Specifically, um, there's a rape that happens. Um, and I'm not, I, I guess I would qualify this as a spoiler because it's kind of a turning point in this character's arc, right? Like, mm -hmm. this would be a spoiler. Yeah. Um, you just say, like, who the character is. You don't have to say, like, who it's between because I think that reveals, like, a little bit too much about the okay, thing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so like, Sansa's, ra Sansa's raped, and instead of it being about her in that moment and, and, and immediately after the last two episodes where she's processing it, she's having to comfort another person who is supposedly also really hurt by her rape but it's like it was her and that happened to her um which i thought was really badly handled that being said like the sexual violence isn't like as much as they do fridge some women characters and when i say fridge it's the idea of like hurting a female character to propel a male a male character to do something they do don't like dish out sexual violence to all of the characters in the show like that is always a like that is always one of the number one threats that people make towards other characters and it's not just the female characters that are being threatened with this yeah um, like the character the character that she's talking about matt i'm um, just for you like that dude doesn't have a wiener because the guy got tortured and got his wiener chopped off yeah like it's no one yeah. is like i said no one is safe in this show like yeah there's sexual violence against yeah. everybody and i think for me it was just because and i guess like my own my own perspective of like seeing when somebody wants to write a complicated female character they rape her like that that's usually what happens that's the trope this is how we're going to complicate her and this is usually how she's going to become a badass and for me using sexual violence when you've when you've done so much with other things it's and I, this also reflects in the book like this is also my gripe with the books as well like it isn't just the show like i realize that this happens in both places it's kind of like easy like it's the easy way and it's kind of sloppy, but I do think that they have done a really good job after they've received some criticism. Not George R. R. Martin, but like the actual showrunners. <laughs> George R. R. Martin doesn't believe anything needs to be criticized. Um, 
Um, but the showrunners did, I think, personally listen, and they do give the characters the ability to process their trauma in a really, really real way. So, like after Sansa's raped, she has these, like, she has these cringy scenes where she's having to comfort the person who saw it happen instead of actually having to process it herself. And then you, in season six, you get her actually saying, like, I still feel him on me. Like that, like when you suffer abuse, it, it's something that is always with you. And so to actually see her expressing this and talking about it, but still being detached from it, like it was a really, it was a real way to show how somebody processes a traumatic event. So although I don't think it makes up like for the fact that they handled her, you know, that trauma badly, I think it does do justice to the character and her story arc to actually build her out as being more than that and having actually processed it because they showed the character that she was comforting process it first, which I guess was my problem. Yeah. Yeah. I think that just goes to like the story, the way they do the storytelling in the show, like everyone feels like the scenes differently. Like I personally don't think that scene is nearly as bad as uh, Cersei and Jamie. No, that in, one's in a lot set. worse. I think that one's a lot worse, and that one's yeah. and that one is specifically on the showrunner's fault because yes. that scene is not like that in the no, books. It's not. It's so not at all. That's definitely on the showrunners for sure. Yeah. Um, and not necessarily so much like the story. Like that's them yeah. embellishing it for the reasons that you're talking about. Yeah. So. Uh, I have a question here. So you basically, I guess for Kate, because you said you don't like that they use a lot of sexual violence, I guess, towards women and take the easy way out or muddied it. I guess, one, what other ways did you want to show? And then two, since it happens, as was already pointed out, all across both genders or sexes, I mean, why is it so much you just spoke of the women more than, I guess, the men saying this all happens when... I think, one, because I am a woman. Well, obviously. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the first thing. Um, but to the reason, so like when, when it happens to, when it's against a guy, it's usually just happening to the guy for the guy. Like it is his own thing. It is his own story. It is affecting him. So like Theon, that is him that is happening to him. He's not having to go and counsel other people and it's not pushing other people along. That is his story. Now with women in the show, when it's happened before, it's been done to push along somebody else's story. So like in that rape case, it, in that in that in that issue, it was used to propel Theon's story and go you know go deeper into it um, and have him process this really hard relationship he has with um, with that house. And for me, that's a problem because then you're having to care, and it's a problem with anything. Like if you're having a character who goes through an experience and it's being used as a prop as opposed to developing that characters. And she's one of the main characters as something. I guess um, I'm wondering, because you Cersei, just said that that was part of developing the other character, the first character you talked about story. And then you said it was a prop. So I guess I was confused. Well, yeah, about so, so like if you, you, so I'm just gonna go into the damn scene. So she's raped by her husband who she was effective, essentially sold to. Right. And in the corner is Theon watching who has been tortured and their relationship is that she thinks that he killed her children, uh, his uh, her her brothers, um, because he was raised in he was raised in House Stark, even though he's not of their family, and the other the guy who is raping her has removed you know has castrated him. It, no, he cannot, no, he like yeah. and just mentally tortured the yeah, hell out of him. Yeah, like he made him feel story. like he was a dog. He like it was an entire storyline. His name he is no him. longer Theon. It's re- yeah, like he, he makes him quiver and fear anything of doing wrong and that entire scene isn't to punish Sansa isn't for Sansa to do anything more than 
to make Theon see what's happening and make Theon realize what he's done within this larger thing. So in that case, it's not done for Sansa until season six. Then they deal with it, how it relates to her and her character. But in season five, it's all circled around Theon's character. So she is a prop in that setting as opposed to it actually being a development of her. Because in the following scene, she has to comfort him. Like, I'm so sorry you saw this happen and like have him process his stuff and then have trying to get him to help her. And then instead of actually in it being focused on her and how that affected her. Yeah, so she's I, being used as a piece in somebody else's story. Yeah, and I also think it's just the way different people see it. Because I, I didn't see it like that. I just see it as Sansa's yeah. always been reserved in her feelings and she's not going to, she's like, she's Cersei. Like she doesn't, she's not going to go cry about it until she gets like in a corner by herself. And at that time, there's really no one for her to, you know, crack any emotions. Like we, we've seen other characters by themselves process their stuff. Yeah, but it's, 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 like, it's Santa. She's not the most redeemable character in the show, in my I opinion. I think she is. But, I don't think but so. No, but, and then you have like, you have Cersei. So Cersei gets handled in two different ways. So you have um, a problem with the sexual violence towards the women in the show? No, or just the sexual violence being general. used in general. Like, okay. I have a problem with sexual violence being used as a trope to push along a story because it's the like it's an easy way to make people complicated yeah i also yeah. think it's medieval times like yeah, no, there's not like a whole lot of things that you're going to take away from someone other yeah. than like body stuff there's really not much else um well i mean like, I, I think but I, I think that like they do a really good job at torturing people other than their body stuff and a lot of it has to do with fam familial relations which is where you get into the child death and stuff like that like there are ways to remove somebody's power without doing that. Now, like, I'm not saying all of it was not warranted or didn't help move the story along. I think Cersei's rape was, that did not need to be there. It did nothing other than the fact that, like, I don't feel like I can like Jamie at all. Like, I don't care, like, how much they've moved past it. Like, it's just, it, it's hard to like that character with that scene. But, so she has that scene, doesn't do anything. Like, that scene is just as despicable. But when you have her shame scene, that thing was handled really well and that she is naked walking through the streets having people throw literal crap on her but in that entire part where they're shaming her for her sexuality they're calling her a sinner because of fornication because she slept with her brother she handles that and you see her process it from step one until she's in the keep and being carried away to, to have her wounds attended to and so like that was a scene where it was handled really well so like I don't like I have a problem with it when it's used excessively and without like when it's just thrown in to make some like the easy way to make something complicated. This trope happens with women a lot. It, there are just certain ways to handle it. Um I don't think Game of Thrones did does it they don't do it as bad as other things. Um, but there are some pieces where I do like to be critical about it because I don't uh, have a problem with the body stuff. Like that's obviously going to happen. It is med medieval times, but it's like yeah. there are different avenues that the show has shown us. Like you can't like you can take away somebody's dignity in a many number of ways and hurt them yeah. in a many number of ways. I mean, and we've seen that done with many characters. So to yeah, I just think of the Sansa situation. Like there's really not much else for her. Like, well, no. She doesn't know if any of her family's alive at this point. Yeah. Well, no. Like so I, she can't like get her family taken away. It's, it's all she has is all she has there is Theon. Yeah. And she knows, but I don't. I don't want to spend too much time on that because then we're going to talk all the whole time about yeah. that one scene. And, and, and there's a lot more I want to talk about. Uh, okay. So with all that being said, like in that little you know side conversation there, like you can tell that there is development 
And I think the series, like this very, very serious serialization of this show is like something I've never seen before. Like you have things in season one showing up now in season seven and, you know, the ramifications of what some someone said or, uh, or something like a retreading of like a father saying or a daughter saying something that her father said, you know, season one still makes sense today in season seven. I think a lot of that has to do with what Kate was saying earlier, that it's kind of like an, that there's, it really is an overarching story that makes serialization good. Like qual like what makes good serialization is having stuff from the beginning matter to the end. And I think Game of Thrones is a really, really good way of doing that and not making it like so overt, like, Oh, ha ha ha. This is what happened in season one. Like a lot of it is really, really subtle. And if you're not paying attention, you might miss it. But if you do pay attention and you do see it, it does bring more to that episode. And there's deaths in the, in the show aren't senseless deaths. Like, like Kate was saying earlier, like if someone kills somebody or if someone dies or someone kills themselves, it's for a reason. Like there are stuff that builds up to those things and they do have ramifications in the show. And on top of that, you have really, really great world building. And, and again, you know, this is the world that George R.R. R. Martin built himself, but they bring it to life in things like the, the costumings, the way that they're, they do, um, the attitudes of these different people throughout the show builds this world in such a way that if you see a character dress a certain way, well, you automatically know like, Oh yeah, they're from Dorne. They're not from the seven kingdoms. Or if you see a character dressed in, you know, rags and stuff, you know that they're uh, a poor person uh, and things like that. And the scenery in the show is also great. Like they've done a really great job of filming this show all over the world to give you different just aspects of this huge world. So you have Westeros and Essos and they're completely different when you look at them from scene to scene. And you get that just from, you know, them spending two weeks in one area for one battle, uh, like in like Norway or wherever they did, wherever they did it. So that they've, the world building in the show is great. Like it's so, it's so big and so vast and so intricate that David Patterson brought two full languages to life in this show uh, Valerian and Dothraki. Like, if you want to go learn either of those languages from the show, you can go do it. That is super, super cool. And the way that the actors, like, actually study and, like, do these voices and stuff, it sounds authentic. Like, it sounds like... They sound fluent. Yeah. It's, it it's doesn't sound like it's broken or hard. Like, yeah. hard. like it, it sounds genuine. Um, the funny thing is, I was researching, and they go with, uh, you're talking about all the scenery and everything else. People talking, there's a bunch of articles written in, like, actual, like, I guess, Game of Thrones, like, fanatics. They actually travel to a lot of these sites where these have actually become tourist, like, locations. Yeah, no, I don't doubt it. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, you think of, like, people like Harry Potter. Like, everyone wants to go, I like, to those alleys. To to see the yeah, like, people in Albuquerque go look at all the houses from Breaking Bad. Like, people do that for Game of Thrones, too. And Game of Thrones was filmed, like, all over the world. So it's crazy that there's probably, like, you go buy a tour package, go see all, like, the Game of Thrones scenery places. I uh, the really thing, the really cool thing about the world building that they do, because I know you mentioned caught like uh, like some of the the scenery, the costumes, all that stuff. Like a lot of it is nuanced. Like you won't notice that there are differences in how they're dressing or their hairstyles or all this stuff until you see them a couple of times, and then you realize, yeah. oh wait, Sansa's hair is now completely different because she's been in King's Landing for a couple for like a month yeah, or two, exactly. and so like, you you get to see these small things that differentiate yeah. and it feels like an actual place that's connected through like there is a culture that's built like it's not just the language it's it, i mean obviously the languages are a part but like they build entire cultures around these cities 
and um, uh, and kingdoms that are very unique, and the way they interact with each other is amazing. Yeah, yeah which is yeah. Go for it, Matt. I was saying because cool because seeing that you have all these different cultures and perspectives, you kind of see, and so I guess you as you live in real life, you can see your perspective and you can kind of go yeah. visit it, but mm-hmm. from a TV series, you can now see the actual interactions between everybody else's actual, I guess, world yeah. or view. Yeah, like and, the easiest, easiest way I can like think about it and I explain it, or the way that I can think about it is like how Star Trek builds their civilizations and their races and things like that. Like it's 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 tantamount to that. Like it's huge and everybody's different, and you can see yourself in basically every culture that's around in this place. And there's a lot of them. Like there's different. Yeah. There's seven kingdoms. Two like three continents basically like it's huge but you can still see yourself and everyone and that's just because they built the world so well and for me world building is like a huge thing like world building in comic book movies world building in like a movie like john wick like it takes a lot to do it and if you can do it well it gets great payoff at least in my eyes i was gonna say out of all the world building movies you go with john wick couldn't go with like even another medieval like lord of the rings Lord of the Rings. No, I say <laughs> John Wick because, like, they take this totally obscure world and you want to know more about it, like, okay. without really saying anything. Like, that's world building, even if it's not yeah. completely overt and crazy. Like, it's good world, good world building. And I think the way they do it subtly, like I said, nuance is really important too because you get to see it with like these tales of kings. So, like, the tale of uh, Robert Baratheon is not the same in every place. Like, yeah, exactly. Start children because they're just spread all over in Westeros and Essos, when they see their family story being told, it's never the same in any of the places. And you get to see that a lot. So it's really great to see that like, they live in a world with people and these are how these people interpret them. Like they don't live yeah. as isolated individuals. They actually are connected to the culture that they're around. Yeah, cause that's how, we would, that's how it would be like medieval times. Like you're, in, there's no, there's no YouTube. No one's showing this Oral stuff on cultures, YouTube. man. Everything yeah. spread through storytelling and bards. That's basically so, it. We're talking about spreading cultures. I know you've been wanting to talk about the religion stuff. So can you tell us about it? Yeah. So the religion, the, a lot of the religion stuff that I really like um, is the fact that you have the old gods, the seven, the many-faced god, the lord of light, the drowned god, the great stallion. And essentially the reason there are so many gods is because every place has their own god or different interpretations of somebody else's god. There are some shows where they just pretty much read you the playbook. They tell you about it all. This show actually shows you the different parts of these faiths through ritual, which is one of my favorite things because my like my uh, my style of research was in anthropology. So my whole thing is like I want to know what people do, and what people do is going to tell me about what they believe, and that will tell me about the tenets of their faith. And so you get to see a lot of you get you see sacrifices you see um <laughs> uh, eating hearts like you you get to see how this happens not just on the surface level but how people actually live through it or push against it and i think for me that is something that has been a common thread and like i said like throughout the like these this this last half of the series because like like adrian said like the religion and the magic and stuff that doesn't come in right away as things start getting worse for everybody you see religion starting to come up a lot more you see street preachers um for the lord of light you see all these things happening and it it's filling this vacuum that's being caused by kings dying and people starving and bays getting lit on fire yeah um 
it's happening because people need it and the way that they've worked religion into the show shows that and how people interact with it it's more than just we're going to make religion for the show and that's it it's these religions have a long timeline and these religions have a long history and we're not just going to tell you we're going to show you yeah and, and you don't know what's which what's right yeah no you don't because like there's aspects of all of these religions and Sometimes stuff comes true in like all of these religions. All of like, them. like many phase God, like that dude's probably legit. Like the Lord of Light is definitely legit because people are literally coming back to light and it's because the Lord of Light wants them to. Uh, you know, it the great stallion. Like there's Yeah. It, you know, that goes kind of goes back to like the world building, but like there are lots of religions in the show and a lot of it's regional, really. Like you don't get people yeah. The people in the north care more about the old gods than the people in the south do. You know, people in Essos care more about the Lord of Light and stuff like that. So it's definitely gone in the Iron Islands. Like, yeah, it's it's how religion is in the world now. Like, it's yeah. definitely a regional thing, and no one knows who's right. Yeah, because like honestly, if you were to put Christians down from even just the corners of the United States chances are they may believe like the main thing, but they probably have different ways of interpreting it. They probably have different things that they think people should live by. And it's like that with every religion, like religions aren't just one thing. It's how people live it. And a lot of the times that, that that's a whole bunch of different denominations um, and a whole yeah. bunch of different sects. And, and it, that's important. It could have easily been like at the beginning of the show. You, you, you really don't get, too many of the religions that you have like now, like say season seven, you really just say have people saying, Oh, well the old gods and the new with the new yeah. being like the seven and stuff. And you think, Oh, like, Oh, well that's just the seven is just what people th think now and not what they thought earlier. Like, you yeah. know, me uh, medieval times versus like now or like yeah. ancient Greece versus like Christianity now and stuff. But it really isn't like that. Like it's just people see these things actually happen in their cultures and they just stick with those um those religions i think the lord of light i think is the most relevant and i think that's the right one <laughs> yeah, because I, too much yeah, stuff in the lord of light happens and all that stuff's coming true and it's just really i think the many faced god's the right one i, I think they're just really good assassins <laughs> i think is all that is um but I, I think too like the last thing to say about this is um they pretty much have this entire inquisition arc in the sixth season which is really awesome to watch as somebody who like has studied like that era of really, it, it's really bad. Um, and the show does that really badness uh, justice um, for the most part. And there are, like I said, Meisters and like they take the bones of what a religious studies person would know and then build religions on top of them. Yeah. Well, we've talked about a lot. Do you have any questions, Matt? I think we've hit, basically everything like at least in my like brief summation of what we've covered like it has elements of not it's not just a medieval times movie or like movie not, not just a medieval times show it's it's a little bit of this it's a little bit of that and it's done well you have the realism of like you can see this stuff happening in your own life you have great storytelling and some of the best characters in terms of arcs developments um hating Which liking hating people so much that you hate the actual person in real life because they acted so well. Like that's, that's insane. And then of course this, the, the, the vast world that they're able to bring to life, I think is just insane. As far as the actual show goes, you know, I think there are definitely a lot of elements. I can definitely see why it is the popular or one of the most popular shows on TV and definitely, I guess if you said sprung other TV shows, 
I mean, very. I mean, I'm interested now to watch it. I mean, I can't guarantee it, but it's definitely something well, we more intriguing. We got HBO for a month, so. I mean, I definitely sit here and listen to you guys talk about it and be. Yeah, <laughs> and this is definitely one of those things like where we just talked about like the main characters. Like there are so many characters in the show oh, that we yeah. that we did not talk about. Yeah, Marvel, come on. Like the kid actors in the show are actually except They're for Bram. Really I hate Bram. No, no. Lady Mormont is like the coolest girl ever, and she should just run the show. It's it's awesome. Like the characters um, in the show are great, and there's a lot that we didn't mention, Matt. But like I know when we talked about you know some of our previous episodes, like you like characters that you can relate to. I guarantee you that there are characters in the show, yeah. even if they're not like the main characters that you will gravitate to and like just because of yeah. who they are. I, I do want to point out to you because I know we did talk about like some of the bad stuff that happens to women in the show. Women are also freaking awesome in the show too. Like it, it's not just like that. Like one of the reasons I really love it is you have like Leanna Marmont, you have Yara, uh, Yara Greyjoy, who is fighting to own her own uh, to own her own kingdom. Like you have like these arcs being built for women to actually take over. There's and the front line of the show days. has three dragons, and then like is relieving slaves like this show is yeah. definitely taken a different turn and like arc in terms of like who, yes because even because i would say like even at the beginning of the show like the women in the show aren't weak like no uh, no Cat, catlin stark has been strong no, Catelyn stark was yeah. really strong and she yeah. was amazing but it was a different type of strong yeah and, and that's, that's what i'm saying like the, the transition the development could have been like very like hammered and very you know yeah. like kind of over the head with it but they've done it so well over seven se or seven and a half seasons now that like you believe it like you know that aria is badass like you know that daenerys isn't that 13 year old girl in the books that she was yeah. at, in season one so yeah. and i think too i like, agree there like and i think too one of the really great things that i like about it is there are different types of women and there are different types of men like there yeah, are exactly. different, like you have, you have men who are cowards. You have men who are brave. You have men who want to be scholars and you have men who want to fight. You have women who want to lead. You have women who are feminine. You have women who beat the crap out of people like Brienne. Like it's not just cookie cutter and it's not just, this is the ideal character. It's, these are the different explanations of how people can be. You can like them for a multitude of reasons. You see them interact with each other and they actually deal with the tension of what happens like when some when a guy wants to be a scholar instead of a fighter, you know. And this happens like race. between families, right? Like yes, the fight, yeah. the family dynamics it's in the show are crazy. Things. Like there's no perfect families in this show. Oh except, no! I would say the stars are, are pretty like, pro like traditional like traditional like values of like you know families everything except for Sansa. Uh, they're all pretty straightforward. <laughs> of, like hey. That. Yeah, and she basically like killed her whole family. But you know, you you have those family dynamics in the show too that are just wide ranging, and like you know that not everybody loves everybody in their families and the How ramifications do you do with of that. Children. Yeah, all dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes. One other question: since we talked about you guys talk and you've been raving about all the great characters and all the great stuff. How many of these actual actors became A-listers or become now actual branched off from this show into bigger movies? Uh, some uh, of them branched in. Actually, Amelia Clark, I guess, is like a. I mean, this was like Amelia Clark's, who's Daenerys Targaryen. This was her first role, like yeah. out of college or whatever. She yeah. tried to do Terminator. I don't think she was that great in Terminator. Like, mm -hmm. I can't think of anybody in the show who Kate was Harrington. like, who's become like big A list and who are like in movies that you can go see like this weekend. Aquaman's in there. 
Yeah, Jason. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Well, yeah. But and then I know yeah, there's a lot of times where uh, new shows have come out and people go, oh, it's a character from Game of Thrones. Oh, it's a character from Game of Thrones. Finn Jones, who is just as bad in Game of Thrones as he is in Iron Fist, if you need to know. You hear a lot about, like, oh, they're now referring to, like, these put, these actors yeah. played in Game of Thrones and now they're in here versus they were in here and they came in. I, I think it's just, I think it's early. Yeah. I think it's the best way to say it. Like, Because the show isn't they, capped yet. Yeah, the, the show isn't capped yet and they spend a lot of time doing the show. Like, I think... The biggest actor I can think of who's been in the show is Sean Bean, but yeah. he kind of dies like in every was... movie, like anything he's in ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes and no is going to be my answer there. All right, so we're going to go into some quick fan, but why those? Because we love hearing from our listeners and just be, even if you're not listeners, people who generally care about these shows. Um, so we have a few from some of my friends in real life, and here's what they had to say. So this first one is from John Murphy. His favorite house is the Lannister house. And he says to totally not to be a contrarian, but what is the name of the show? The Game of Thrones. They play the game better than anyone, particularly when uh, Tywin was alive or when Tyrion was hand. They are cunning and totally shouldn't be ever be counted out. I'm not saying that they are good guys or the ones who should win, but they are the family that knows what they are doing. The only um, ways that they lose is when the writers want to please the audience. Yeah, and I think that's really great. And I won't talk too much about like each comment, but like I think that's really great because the Lannisters typically, like if you look at like good versus bad, they're not the good guys, but they've they're just written so well that you can appreciate the fierceness and the badassery that they do do, even if they're just kind of like jerks 95% of the time. Uh, this next one is from Derek Snyder. Uh, his favorite character is a tie between Daenerys Targaryen and Arya Stark. Very good choices. Favorite house Stark hate the most tie between Cersei and Ramsey Bolton. Uh, he also says low key kind of loves Cersei <laughs> at the same time. So it's confusing, which I think is totally valid. Like I said at the very beginning, people hate Cersei, people love Cersei. So if you like her, even though you're maybe not supposed to, like it's okay. And his choice for the throne is either going to be John or Daenerys. And I won't see this next part because it's kind of a spoiler, and I don't want to ruin that part. But <laughs> those are those are basically my top two picks. Who's going to take the throne as well? And the reasons why he loves the show is he says it's absolutely ruthless and unpredictable. It really sucks you in for having so many stories going at once. It does an amazing job of tying them all together and really bringing the things full circle. Hands down, one of the best shows I've ever watched. This is great because Derek is actually one of my oldest friends and was actually my roommate in Austin. I don't know if you ever guys got, if you guys ever got to meet him when no, we I came over. Play, yeah, yeah. Uh, he had never watched Game of Thrones, but in, except for like a couple months ago, so he's all in and just binged all six seasons and I guess seven and a half now. So he's all in for it. This next one, um, Anthony DeLeon, favorite character, Kate's, one of Kate's favorite Lady characters, Marmont. Lady Marmont, and Sam, who's a smaller character, but I can totally get behind Sam, favorite house, Stark, and his most hated character is Littlefinger. Oh, I can no, get behind that 100%. No argument there, Littlefinger is a creep. Uh, taking the throne, he thinks it's going to be John. he doesn't want it, and I think that's what makes him the best option. It would be also fitting since we assume that Sam is one of the ones who record this history. That's a great theory that's going out. That's all of this stuff that's going on in the show is actually being recorded by a maester. Uh, I think it's a great, great theory. And I could definitely get behind that. (laughs) And why he loves the show. The show is incredibly and intentionally detailed. I can go back to season one and find foreshadowing that comes out in season six. It's also amazing the level of detail that has gone into developing a history that is not portrayed in the show, even much earlier than 
Rebellion. It's an incredible analysis of the struggle for power and ethical leadership of At All Possible. You can analyze it philosophically, psychologically, etc. It's the best show I've ever seen. Um, I think a lot of that, his like little summary there is basically everything that we've said yeah. over the course of like this like hour, hour and 10. So, so. we could have just read that comment and been done. Yeah. So we could have just read your comment, Anthony, and, and been done. And this next one is from Tristan Jones. His favorite character is Jon Snow and Varys. I've actually heard Varys. I've never heard anyone say Varys is their favorite character, so this is very new to me, there, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. Season seven interaction with uh, probably yeah. Like he's I, I I can go for Varys. Yeah, favorite house Stark. Hate the most. I'm not sure that I hate anybody anymore. Kind of hated Larius, uh, but not that strongly. Which I guess is okay because I don't think at any at this point right now in the show that there's anyone that you could like overtly hate. Yeah. Right now, except for Cersei, I hate Cersei, and I kind of semi hate Sansa. But like, they're not like Joffrey or Ramsay Bolton bad. Um, what I love about the show is how much it expands on the ironies of power, desire, honor, revenge, etc. It also shows how silly, petty, familial squabbles are to the ultimate larger picture of world building. Every single character is dynamic and complex, except the Mountain, and the scope of George's. <laughs> Fictional universe is mind-blowing, not even counting the books. And then I think we have some stuff from Twitter, yeah, Kate. I have some Twitter stuff. So uh, the first one is from the uh, from Angel of the Color Me Dead podcast. And Angel says, the reason I love GOT, awesome battle scenes, amazing characters, empowering female leads, amazing acting, effing dragons, sold. Also because J.R.R. Martin is amazing. The imagination each character, no matter how small, is complex and interesting in its own way. Also, trying to condense seven years worth of love for GOT into a hundred into one hundred and forty characters—it's fucking <laughs> bullshit, man. <laughs> um, and then we also have one from uh, Amanda on Twitter as well. So I'm very far behind, but it's the friggin' badass female leads for one thing, and making fantasy cool again. But I'm also very far behind. So I mean, yeah. And then we also had a nice little Twitter poll where I realized that like there are just so many options for why Game of Thrones matters. Um, but the cool thing was it was the four answers were fantasy done right, female characters, best show on TV, and other. And uh, fantasy done right was 29%, female characters was 21, other was 14, and best show on TV was 36. So best yeah. show on TV wins. But they're but, all pretty yeah, close. It's, it's, it's so wide ranging that, like, like I said before, and I've, I've, I'll say it again, like, there's something, something for everybody in this show, and I think that poll really speaks to that, as as well as our our fan. But why those? I think they echoed a lot of what we said in this show, and they haven't even listened to it yet. So I guess last thoughts. Uh, last thoughts for me is this is really I think one of the best shows ever. It's definitely the best show I think right now on TV streaming service pirating like whatever you want to call it like if you're if you need a new show to watch like this is it and if you're watching it now you know why you've watched it for all of this time for a lot of the reasons that we mentioned uh go john snow stark for life the north remembers the winter is coming winter is here yeah winter doesn't exist in real life well it's gonna be, <laughs> that's because we're a texas podcast but uh <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i wish winter was, How hot was it in el paso I hundreds. I don't even look in the summer. Like it's hot. Like that's supposed to be 104 tomorrow for us. But anyway, we're not in the desert. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, no. I see why everybody gets excitement about it. I see how everybody 
enjoys it, loves it. I can see getting, I guess, because it's cool listening to you guys talk about it, but even from the fans, like what they said, like how much they seem to really enjoy this. And obviously it's a huge popular hit and I can see why. I'm listening to everybody. I can't guarantee I will eventually watch it, but I definitely like just listening about it and finding <laughs> Maybe I can get somebody on Twitch to go play a video game about it, and then I'll find the entire There story. is a video game about it. Actually, Telltale did a video game on it. Yep. So. Somebody hit that up and play it, and I'll watch you. If I stream it, will you watch it? <laughs> Maybe. If I stream episodes from my big screen of all the seasons, then will you watch it? Possibly, because I did watch all the Actually, Mystery that, Science Theater 3000. Wait, I, I, I will say this, though. That would be a, a great like podcast commentary stream, just each episode. Oh, my God. Down, do it. That's I'm all about talking during movies. That would be so good. It's because you're brown. Probably, yeah. So my final thoughts are, I'm really glad I went back and watched it. Um, mostly because I think that this is a show that when it's done is going to have a giant story arc that really tells it. Like You're going to have to watch them all together to get the full scope of what's happening. And um, I'm really happy I went back. Really happy I binged it. And I wish I was as badass as Lady Mormont when I was her age, because she's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, to wrap up the show, I uh, did want to give a shout out to Justine V. Um, she is a host of the It's About Damn Crime podcast, and she left us an iTunes review. And we love more iTunes reviews, so please rate, review, and subscribe. And her iTunes review is... I gave this podcast a listen because Kate is so incredibly sweet and I just wanted to support her. But it turns out this podcast is just good. The rapport you guys all have with each other is fun to listen to. And this podcast is just plain old interesting in all caps. Uh, keep up the good work and I'll keep coming back. Justine. So thanks, Justine. We appreciate it. Yay. Everybody else, let us know what you think. We want feedback. Yeah, come back and talk to us every... If you need some someone to talk about the episode with for the rest of the season come come find us on facebook or twitter and we'll come talk to you about it yep we'll put it out there um so yeah as always you can find uh us at but why though pc on facebook instagram and twitter and you can find me at oh my myth Randier on instagram and twitter adrian yeah you can find me on twitter at super 93 s-u-p e-r-r-u-i-z 93 and i'm sure there's stuff i got wrong here i mean like i said like i know much bigger game of thrones fans than myself so if i got anything wrong or if you want to um, talk about anything at i me. talk just come at me it's all come at me bro come, come at me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh matt where can they find you you can find me on twitter at dat m18 d-a-t-t-m-1-8 and by the way since to have a fun thing, people watching Game of Thrones start throwing in Lord of the Rings references and they get confused because they're not paying attention. He brought up, he, so there's that Battle of the Bastards thing where they're going, who owns the North? What do you do? And he's like, you're not orcs. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? They're saying the North. He was like, he was all like, he face palmed and I was like, oh crap, you're talking about Lord of the Rings. I'm so sorry. And then just walked away and wanted to take away my Twitter handle. <laughs> Bye. Bye guys. Bye.